God is good. As you know, we're doing a sermon series on man that's whack, and we're debunking false theology. <laughs> in a day and age now with information just at our fingertips, there's so many things that are out there that can bring confusion. And so we want to make sure that you are learning the truth of God's word. And so we're going to, um, we've been going over some things. If you have not um, heard the last two weeks, I encourage you to go to our website online and you can listen to our sermons right there online and, um, and catch up because there's a lot of good things that's been going on. The scripture says in 1 Timothy 4.16, it says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Preserve in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. I love how it says, watch your life and doctrine closely. We need to pay attention to the way we live, and we need to pay attention to the teaching that we receive. And so it's very important um, to do that. The false theology or the false doctrine that we're going to debunk today is called cessationism. Can you say that with me? Cessationism. And the word cessation and cease sound alike, and they have similar meanings because they both come from the Latin word cessera, which means to delay or to stop. Cessationism is a doctrine that spiritual gifts such as speaking in tongues, prophecy, and healing ceased when the original 12 apostles and the completion of the New Testament canon. That is the the doctrine, that that it ceased after the 12 apostles died and that the New Testament canon was completed. They believe that the gifts of the Spirit described in the New Testament have ceased to be part of the ministry that the Holy Spirit does in the church today. And their common justification for this belief is once the scriptures were written and the church was started by the apostles, there was no longer a need for miracles to confirm the works of the Spirit. Can together we say, man, that's whack. I don't know about you, but I believe the church needs miracles, healings, signs and wonders more today than ever before to confirm the work of the spirit this is a false doctrine and it must be debunked because it holds back a large majority of the church from walking in the fullness of God and God wants us to walk in his fullness and so we have to believe the fullness of the word to walk in his fullness and so today we're going to talk about three confirmations or three proofs three evidences that sensationism is a false doctrine Number one, and if you're in your talk it over sheet, the fill-in word here is the Bible does not say that the gifts of the Spirit will cease to exist with the passing of the 12 apostles or the completion of the New Testament canon. It is not in the scriptures. Flat out, it never says that in the Bible. Okay? The only scripture, scripture that this uh, sensationalists use to justify their belief is one scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, which if you know the Bible, then you know that 1 Corinthians uh, 13 is a poetic chapter written by Paul that explains love, okay? We're going to get into this kind of deep here for a minute, okay? The Bible says uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 and 10, it says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. <clears throat> As for knowledge, it will pass away. For knowledge is imperfect and our prophecy is imperfect. But when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. 
Cessationalists argue that the canon of Scripture is the perfect thing and that once it comes, once we have the perfect, there's no need for the Spirit to move in miracles, healings, and, and tongues and these things. The problem with this position is if the perfect that Paul was talking about here is Scriptures, which had already came, then there would be no need for knowledge because we need to study the Scriptures. We need translations. We need pastors and teachers. And a lot of the people who are sensationalists are very firm in, in the need for knowledge, although it says that also knowledge. It says for our knowledge, and, and, and then it repeats it again in 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. okay? It repeats it again. It says for our knowledge is what? Imperfect, and our prophecy is imperfect. But when the perfect comes, the imperfect will pass away. Now we need to, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I should know fully, even as I'm fully known. See, friends, what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about the perfect, he's talking about our heavenly, our, our new bodies, our heavenly state when we're in heaven with Jesus. That is the perfect there's not going to be, we would know everything then as we are fully known. We won't need prophecy. We won't need tongues. We don't need the gifts of the spirit that help us stay close to God with the corruption of the dying world that we live in, friends. We won't need that when we're in heaven. That is the perfect that Paul is talking about. Otherwise, then there would be no need for knowledge. So there should be no teachers in the church either. That right there, friends, debunks that theology. Just that right there. But we're going to go even deeper. We're going to go even deeper. See, the context of this pa passage strongly suggests that while love never ends, because there's going to be lots of love in heaven, friends, all gifts, whether they be tongues, knowledge, prophecy, are imperfect in this life. They will cease but will end when and only when the perfect comes to remove the imperfection when we are in heaven with Jesus. The thing is, it is bad exegetical practice. The studying of scripture is bad practice to suck one phrase out of its context to force it in to fit in a preconceived idea. Okay? Pastor Joshua talked about this last week. When we take one scripture, one or two scriptures, and we build a doctrine out of it, instead of um, taking the scripture and allowing the other scriptures around it in its context to help bring understanding, we need the full counsel of the Bible. You can't just take one scripture and build some kind of crazy theology that does not um, prove to be true with the whole counsel of the scriptures of the word of God, friends. It is bad it's, it's a bad way of interpreting the word. 1 Corinthians is even known, 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 13, is known as a po poetic um, writings of Paul. Every word in the scripture is important. But to build an entire doctrine on one single word, the word cease, and use in a poetic construction is like building an entire house on top of a single narrow pillar. The pillar may be strong enough to hold the house, but it is a question of balance, friends. The thing is, the scripture does not give an indication that some gifts are temporary while others are long-lasting. If one believes the gifts are no longer genuine gifts to the body of Christ, one must find that in the teaching of the word of God. And it's not there. Otherwise, 
we first, what, what's happening is what Matthew, what, what was written in Matthew 15, 6, what Jesus said to the Pharisees, for the sake of your tradition, you make void the word of God. And that's what the sensationalist people who are sensationalists do. For the sake of their tradition, they're making void the word of God because it is never written in the scriptures that the gifts of the spirit will cease to exist. Okay, in addition, nowhere, nowhere, nowhere in the scriptures does it say that. This is teaching is an extra biblical doctrine, a tradition of man imposed upon the scripture. Scripture itself does not teach that. So that right there debunks the cessationalist theology. Okay, number two, the second thing that I want to talk about that debunks, the reason it debunks this um, false theology is the 12 apostles were not the only ones who operated in spiritual gifts in the Bible. They were not the only ones. Philip and Stephen, who were deacons, who were the waiters of the table, they saw miracles. The daughters of Stephen, or, or the daughters of Philip, excuse me, were called prophetess, so they prophesied. Matter of fact, miracles are even in the Old Testament before Jesus ascended to heaven and poured out his Holy Spirit to all people. There's prophets in the Old Testament who saw miracles. And as a matter of fact, all through in, in Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12, Paul is teaching the church about spiritual gifts. Why would he teach the, the church about spiritual gifts if it was not for the church to be able to operate in the spiritual gifts, not just the apostles? Sensationalists are whack. <laughs> While it's true that the miracles are part of the apostolic ministry, Paul says they also give the body, are given to the body of Christ for the common good to make the body whole and complete. Spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit for the entire body of Christ. All the gifts included as part of the whole manifestation in God and the church. The list in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11, go look it up later, but it goes from wisdom to healing to prophecy to tongues without differentiation. Paul concludes to each to each is given a manifestation of the spirit for its common good, for the common good of the church, friends. Paul ties the distribution of the gift of the spirit by making the body of Christ complete on earth. It makes us complete. It's, it's necessary for wholeness. It's necessary for us to walk in the fullness of God. See, now you are the body of Christ and individuals, members of it. And God appointed in the church, it says, first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then workers of miracles, then healers, helpers, administrators, speakers in various kinds of tongues. That's 1 Corinthians 12. Now, what's funny, friends, again, the sensationalists only want to take out the spiritual gifts that they don't operate in. They're still administrators in church. They're still teachers in church. They're still leaders in church. But the ones that they don't see, they want to they say, well, that's, that ceased to exist, and they want to add to the scriptures because the Bible doesn't say that. Notice, even in this passage here, that workers of miracles are not even ranked with the apostles. So it's actually, it says, first what? Apostles. Then what? Prophets. Then what? Teachers. And then you go down, and it says, workers of miracles it's lower than even teachers so the miracles are considered more common among the people friends the people 
It's for the people. The, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, are their main job, friends, is to build up the church, to train the church to do what? Do the work of the ministry. So the, the miracles are not just for the apostles or the leaders in the church. It's for the people. Now notice this. When you actually look at the scriptures, friends, Jesus did most of his miracles not in the inside of the synagogue, although some happened there. It was out on the streets. That's where the miracles are supposed to take place, friends. And how can that take place? As if our teachers and preachers and pastors in the church today say, it's not for you. Shame on them. God, help them. Help them have grace to see the truth. That the church needs the spirit of God like never before. We need to see miracles like never before. And we need to see them out there, friends. We need to be, have an understanding that we are equipped because the whole, it is not even about the apostle, the teacher, the preacher, the whatever. It's about the Holy Spirit. It's the gifts of the Spirit. Now I can say this. There are people who believe in the gifts of the Spirit who've also gotten off on crazy uh, false doctrine. There's a, even in our own Pentecostal faith, there's, there's been got, people who have gotten off and said that if you don't even speak in tongues, that you're not even saved. And that's not the case. It's not what the scripture says. But friends, these gifts are to equip us and to better build us up so that we can do the work of the ministry. We should be actively seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We should be actively seeking and asking God. Paul says, I wish all were prophets. He didn't say, I wish all were prophets just in the New Testament until the canon is written and then you know y'all don't need to prophesy anymore he said I wish all were prophets Moses in the Old Testament said I wish everyone would prophesy friends the gifts of the spirit are for all of us so that we can walk close to God and so that people can come to know him Paul said, my, my teaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Friends, we need the Spirit's power. The Bible says that you, to, you are to, the only thing we are allowed to covet, friends, are spiritual gifts. Why would Paul say covet these things if you can't have them? See, friends, we have to understand that we can have it and believe that we can have it in order to receive it. Someone doesn't receive salvation if they don't believe first. The same is true with spiritual gifts. If you don't believe they're for you, if you don't believe they're for today, then you're not going to receive it. But if you believe and you are actively seeking God and the Bible says that he's a good father and that even us humans who are sometimes bad parents, when our children ask us for a gift, we give it to them. We don't, if they ask for an egg, we don't give them a scorpion. If they ask for a fish, we don't give them a snake, right? God says he is a good father that if we ask for his spirit, he will give it to us. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, friends, there are signs and wonders that follow. And it's so that people can come. To know Jesus. 
Listen, look, just look at Facebook. People are, are constantly tearing up the Bible. Just look at any social media. People are, oh, this scripture says this and this and this. And, and listen, we believe in the, author, uh, the, the, the word of God is the authoritative rule. We believe in that. So much so that we believe that when the scripture says we can move in these spirits, we move in it. When we can move in the spiritual gifts, we move in it. But friends, there's people out there who don't believe in the Bible. But if they see you move and the spiritual gifts, how can they deny there's a God in heaven? There's people on my block that don't believe in Jesus. But eight years ago when there was a big neighborhood fight that, that took place, and this is back when our offices were still in our home, and Pastor Josh, y'all have heard this, most of you, those who've been around act like you've never heard it because this is for the new people here. And Pastor Joshua walked outside and they said, Take that Jesus stuff back inside, and me and our worship le leader, Heather um, Haynes now, Heather Mor Morford at the time, we're inside, and we're like, ooh, Pastor Josh has that prayer face on. He, you know, we know him well, and he had this serious face come over, and we said, what is he about to do? And he walks in the back room, and he grabs a shofar. For those who don't know what a shofar is, it's what Joshua blew when the walls of Jericho came down in the Old Testament. He grabbed this shofar right here, and he we're outside, and I'm not exaggerating, okay, south side all the way, about at least 25 people, black, white, Mexican, south side, other, all out there, all in the mix, cussing, screaming, getting ready to, to, to go down, who knows, they could have, who knows, they could have had guns or whatnot, and he went outside in the middle of it, I'm not exaggerating, and he took that shofar, and he said, do 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 and he blew it, the loudest, longest blow I've ever heard, and then he said, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over this violence in this neighborhood right now, and he began to pray. He hates when I tell this story, friends. But listen, when he did that, it was a sign and a wonder because everybody was quiet. And nobody dared to continue the fight. Matter of fact, everybody just went along their merry way. They scattered. And here comes Pastor Josh walking up and down the street just praying in the name of Jesus. This is your neighborhood, God. This will not continue on in Jesus' name. And he's pleading the blood and doing what he does and walking back and forth. And me and Heather are looking through the blinds like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that. Oh, this man is crazy for Jesus. And I'm like, that's my man of God. Yes, he is. I'm telling you. It was awesome because the gifts of the Spirit are for today and not just for the inside of the church walls when we have a special revival service, friends. They're for out there. They're, to, they're for us to take authority. They're for us to have boldness to be a witness. I said, I've been married to this man too long now because the old joy was hiding in the blinds. Now, boy, when I see something, I just can't help it. I was out here. We were coming from the library, and we were coming to Vision Kitchen, and here comes some kids coming from the library, and they're just chasing down these two other kids like they were going to uh, fight her. And I was like, Arr! pulled my car right up, put my, my, my window down. Like, what y'all doing? <laughs> listen, if good men do nothing, evil will prevail. And listen, it's not just us doing it in our flesh. It's us doing it in the spirit, friends. Because if the spirit doesn't lead you to do it, watch out. Because the seven sons of Sceva tried to copy what they saw Paul do. And they went up to a man who was demonized and tried to copy what Paul did. And said, in the name of J Jesus, 
And in and, and the name of who Paul preaches Jesus, I cast you demons out. And the demons are like, Phew. I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And they beat up the seven sons of Sceva until the Bible says they were literally naked and bleeding. Don't tell me the Bible is boring, friends. You think those stories are only for the New Testament? They're for today. It wasn't just the apostles who moved in the, in the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. Not even in the Bible. The gifts function as part of the entire ministry of the body. Each person with a role to play. Nowhere in this passage where it talks about spiritual gifts does it say the gifts are to confirm the apostolic witness or to confirm the scriptures. The gifts are for the body to be built up so that they can do the work of the ministry, friends. And the last point that I want to bring out to prove that this sensationalism is wrong is this. It's whack. It's church history and the church today and the missionary efforts of the church all prove that the Holy Spirit still gives gifts to God's people. <laughs> a man with an argument is no match for a man with an experience, friends. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. See, fundamentalists, like fundamentalists, Pentecostals, accept the literal interpretation of the Bible. Such literalism is carried one step further in that, unlike many fundamentalists, Pentecostals also literally expect the same manifestation of the Spirit of God today as were evident in the New Testament church. We believe if they could do it in the New Testament, then we can do it today. We believe if they cast out demons in the New Testament, we can cast out demons today. We believe if they laid hands on the sick in the New Testament and they were healed, we can lay hands on the sick today and see them healed. We believe if they spoke in tongues in the New Testament, not just for the unbeliever to come to know the Lord, but as the scripture teaches in the epistles, to build up the believers so that we can have a spiritual language to pray. If they did it back then, we need to be doing it today. If this is the thing, friends. Jesus is the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he worked miracles in the past, he is the same today, and he will do it today. <clears throat> Dr. Mark Rutland, who is, uh, I've, I've got the opportunity to see him speak. He's just amazing. He was, uh, uh, he's just done so many things. He's been college professor to some of our Assembly of God colleges and um, started churches, all kinds of things. But one of, one of the things that he quoted that I just think is amazing, he said, the arrogance of making experience into theology that trumps scripture is exceeded only by the arrogance of making a lack of experience into theology that trumps scripture. In Ivern's Welsh dark Scottish no novel, Train Spotting, a bum living in an abandoned train station tells others he's watching for trains. Of course, it's useless. It is useless there, at least, in the abandoned train station. Trains run elsewhere in Scotland, just not there. Here is a simple truth. Just because trains don't run past your house doesn't mean there's no such thing as trains. Furthermore, if there is no trains where you are, why not check out other more active train stations? Train spotting for K-dwellers is dis. dis it's disappointing business, and train denial is absurdly arrogant. 
Just because you don't haven't seen it in your own life doesn't mean it's not happening, friends. If you look at church history, if you look, read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, okay? If we even go over to some of our third world countries where people are, are like represented up here on our flags of the most persecuted countries in the world, you go over to some of the Christians over there in China, you go over to some of the Christians, our missionary friends in Laos, you go over to some of our missionary friends in India and ask them if they've ever seen signs and wonders, if they've ever seen miracles, and I guarantee you they're going to have story after story after story. If you look back at church history with martyrs, if you look at the church history with, with missionary efforts, you're going to see miracles still happen today in America we've used our logic and our knowledge so much that knowledge has puffed us up that we don't think we need the spirit anymore there was a missionary from China I believe that came over to America that said it's amazing how much the church in America does without the Holy Spirit friends friends I don't know about you but I need the gifts of the spirit in my life I need them to be activated in my life I needed the gifts of the Spirit when Pastor Joshua dared me, dared me, and some of you have heard this before, but to encourage you in the faith, dared me to go down and talk to the woman on our block who was the kind of woman who, even though she would stand in the middle of the street, if you were driving, like your car in the street, like you're supposed to, she would turn and cuss you out, and you've seen her beat up some people, so you, you know, I'm, not a, I'm a lover, not a fighter, so I didn't want to mess with that woman, okay? I prayed for her for three years that she would get saved because there was constant, constant bickering and fights going on where she lived. And one time I came home and it was, we, it was in the summertime and I was complaining about our flower beds outside of the church and saying how, you know, we, we need to get it, you know, working right. And, and Pastor Josh said, you're caring right now more about the flower beds outside of our church instead of the souls in this neighborhood who are dying and going to hell or something like that. Don't you love how he speaks it and encourages his wife? And I said, I puffed up and said, that's not true. He said, then prove it and go down there and talk to the, this, the, this, these people who have just been fighting and acting crazy that need to know Jesus. And I said, I will show you. And then I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, I don't want to get beat up. And I thought about one of my heroes, Elizabeth Elliott, who, as my husband shared last week, her, their, they were missionaries to Ecuador and um, her husband as well as his companions were martyred for Christ with the tribe there that, that, that spared them to death. You can see the movie The Spirit shows the whole account in it. And what happened is after her husband was martyred and his companions, she went back into the jungle, back into that tribe and took her young child with her. And they received her and her children, and the whole tribe ended up coming to know the Lord. So I thought, if her child could protect her from getting speared to death, I'm going to grab my four-year-old, who was Shua at the time. I ain't lying, y'all. I thought, this woman ain't going to beat me up in front of my four-year-old. <laughs> so I grabbed my four-year-old, you know, we are mamas, and I walked down the street. And then only one that was more intimidating than this woman, or at least almost intimidating, was her daughters, who were staying outside. And said, what do you want? And I said, I have a message. And then they puffed up even more. You got a message? I said, from the Lord. And then I said, I'm not lying, y'all. This was, I said, for the woman of the house. So they went and got their mama. And she came out on the porch and said, you have a message from the Lord for me? And I took my son, my four-year-old son. And I walked up on the porch and I said, yes, I do, ma'am. And then I closed my eyes and I opened my mouth and I began to prophesy. 
And I have no idea really exactly. I can't even recall to you now the words I said because it was God coming out my mouth. I closed my eyes. Tears were flowing down my face. My son was holding my hand, looking up like this is my crazy mama. And I began to prophesy. I opened my eyes. I looked at my neighbor. She had tears coming down her face. Her daughters had tears coming down her face. She called the neighbors across the street to come over for me to share again what I just shared. And then we grabbed hands, circled up, and prayed together, friends. <laughs> Signs and wonders, the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy are for today. They're for today for the edification of the body. And we see them all over when you study, when you really do an intense study of church history, you're going to see it because it is there. It is there for today. This is the thing, friends. God is not a respecter of persons. If he gifted the apostles with signs and wonders, if he had gifted the Old Testament saints and prophets with signs and wonders, why is he going to leave the last testament or the last church, the church of the last days without the power of the Holy Spirit to do signs and wonders? How does that even make sense? When Peter himself prophesied that in the last days, my sons and the sons and daughters of God will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams and the young men will see vision that even in the last days, even the bond servants, even the, even the lowest of the low will be able to use the gifts of the spirit to glorify God, friends. It's for today. But we have to have our faith store stirred up. Sometimes we need someone like Pastor Josh to say, oh yeah, well then I dare you to go down there. That's what I want to do for all of you today. I dare you to step out, to tell the person that you're most intimidated of about Jesus and watch God do something. Watch God use you. Close your eyes and open your mouth and let him, let him fill your mouth with his words. I dare you the next time you see someone sick to go over there and lay hands and pray for him and watch God do something. But what if he doesn't, Pastor? What if he does? How will you know unless you step out in faith? Miracles occurred regularly as a part of the witness of the church long after the canon had been closed. If one would do a diligent search, including the lives of the saints and especially the martyrs, there will have been a consistent periods of miracles in the church and interrupted by times of apparent absence. What is more, there are untold numbers of reports from present-day missionaries of the outpouring of the Spirit in foreign nations among unreached people, many accompanied by miracles, signs, and wonders. Casting out demons and confronting satanic powers have become a normal part of a missionary lifestyle around the globe. And friends, God is raising up missionaries here in America we consider ourselves urban missionaries, but he's raising up marketplace missionaries. He's raising up missionaries in the country, in the city. He's raising up, he's with you in the city, in the country. He's with you everywhere. He's raising up people who have that mission call to go out and to make disciples and to share the love of Jesus. But it's not just for the four walls of a building. What is more, Jesus promised that miracles would not just follow the apostles, but believers who preached the gospel. And he says this, and this has always been one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Mark 16. I used to have it on 
a, a shirt. I need, I want another shirt. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world. This is Jesus. Okay. Red letters here. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. And these signs will accompany only the original 12 apostles. Is that what it says? It says those who what? Believe. In my name, they'll do what? Cast out demons. They will, in my name, they will what? Speak in new tongues. Seen it, seen it. In my name, they will pick up serpents. Well, we're not going to go back there in our faith, friends, okay? But I'm going to tell you this. I believe, I believe that God protects us when harm comes, and that's what that scripture means. And, and they will drink deadly things, and it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on sick, and they will recover. At our, at our youth camp this past summer, there was a, a teenage boy, taller than me now. You remember this, Pastor Steve? Okay, that came up to us and said, Pastor Joy, when I was a baby, I almost died. And my parents called up to the church. And you were only an intern then, but you and another young man, Steve Sodal, came up to the, to the, we drove separately. We met up there at that church or at that hospital. And we went in there and we anointed that baby and we prayed for that parent. And guess what? That baby is a teenager now looking like Jesus with hair down to his shoulders, loving God, getting wrecked at our kids' camp. God still does miracles today, and guess what? He loves to use ordinary people. This is before I ever had credentials. It's before anyone ever called me Pastor Joy. It's before I ever really did very many uh, sermons, friends. It's when I was just a young girl. I think I was 19, 20 years old at the time. And, and Pastor Keith said, hey, will you go up and pray? And obviously told Steve, too, we go up and pray for this family. And we met up there and we prayed. And listen, this child is alive now, not because we are anything, but because the Holy Spirit is alive and active today. If he can use me, if he can use Steve, if he can use Earl, if he can use these other people that you see, he can use you. So then, friends. The Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and set right down at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message with signs that attended them. Amen. Signs are wonders and wonders and miracles and healings are not just to confirm the message of the apostles and the established scripture. It is to confirm the work of God today, that he's still the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and he wants to use his people. I dare you to believe today. I dare you to step out and pray for someone at Walmart when you go shopping. I dare you to pray for your waitress today when you leave this place and you go eat. I dare you to pray for an unsaved family member. Lay hands on them. Talk to them. Open your mouth and let God fill it with his words. I dare you to step out and believe and watch God move. If you would stand up to your feet with me, please.